Hello, viewers and listeners. Just turn that music down a touch. Well, welcome to another 11.8 movie review. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking about the 2014 movie called 71. It's all about some the troubles in Northern Ireland. Uh, it should be an interesting, maybe a slightly controversial subject. It depends where you're part of the world you're from, I guess. But I have with me Samir. Hello. How you Hi. doing? Yeah, good, mate. You? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, trying to stay warm as yep. best we can. But these wonderful 118 fleeces that we're wearing are pretty damn, pretty do, uh, do a pretty good job, don't they? Yeah, it really was useful when we went to visit our billionaire friend. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that, that Lord of the Rings review we did with Justin's house. Yeah, we were <laughs> shivering. Yeah, because he didn't turn the eating on. Yeah, <laughs> tight, tight bastard. Yeah, yeah. At the moment, he's in Qatar, isn't he? Enjoying watching bloody uh, the football now. That's why he's not here this week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's bloody warm over there, apparently. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So um, tonight's movie review. Um, I assume this is the first time you've seen Seventy One. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was the first time. I, I I didn't even know about the movie. To be honest, I never heard of it till uh, you said, picked it. So yeah. I, I had a feeling that might be the case because this film is not well known. It's um, it's a little known film, a uh, small production, but some very powerful performances, as we'll find out. Now, so the listeners and the viewers, we last week, if you saw last week's Battle of Britain review, um, we tried a new idea where we thought about interjecting some clips into the reviews to try and you know, just make it a bit more entertaining for everybody and yeah. sort of keep people watching and whatnot. So what we've done this week is that a pair of us have come up with a bunch of clips um, and we're going to interject those into this movie review and hopefully it makes the whole thing a bit more engaging, a bit more entertaining. Now, the listeners and the podcast might be a little bit difficult, um, so we might actually explain some of the movie clips. Or if you're if you're a Spotify user, you can watch our stuff on Spotify anyway. So no loss there. But anyway, it's also case, it's also a case not to you know people looking at our pretty faces, uh, beautiful faces for so long, you know. So it gives you a break from us as well. Yeah, that is true. There is that definitely a plus. Blah. Yes. Um, okay, so I'm going to do the. Um, I'm going to go for the cast, are you? The synopsis and the cast, yeah. So I was going yeah. to share my screen, but I'm actually using a different web browser today at the moment. And it's kind of odd the way that's set up. So let's never mind showing my browser tab. So I'm going to read the synopsis. 71. In 1971, a young and disorientated British soldier is accidentally abandoned by his unit following a riot on the deadly streets of Belfast. Directed by Ian Demange and writer Gregory Burke. So now, the stars of this. Have Jack O'Connell plays Gary Hook. Uh, Sam Reed, Lieutenant Armitage. Sean Harris plays Captain Sandy Browning. Now, viewers and listeners may recognise Sean Harris. He was actually, he had a part in Prometheus. I think he, he was the guy that made it back to the actual ship and was all fucking screwed up his face was all messed up and stuff and um, i think some other names that might actually be 
recognisable to um, international audiences. Uh, Paul Anderson, who plays Sergeant Leslie Lewis, he's been in a number of English movies like um, The Firm. Um, God, blimey, I can't even remember the films he's been in. It's just one of those faces that I know because he's been in so many things that I've watched over the years. Um, but not a massive all-star cast in this. If you're English, then you might recognise some of these people from TV shows and English movies, you know, sort of lottery-funded movies, that type of thing. Um, but for international viewers, you probably wouldn't recognise any of them at all. No. So, Samir, since you've first time watching it, what do you think overall? Yeah, I, well, I was uh, impressed. Um, it didn't feel like a, a low-budget movie or a small studio movie, uh, and it made it realistic. But it was also sh um, shocking how everything was going on in Ireland, where each side mm. was playing each other. Uh, and that really got me interested in the movie. I thought, hmm, mm, this is interesting. It reminded me of the Mafia Wars, really, in New York, uh, where oh, your own side okay. is, in a sense, your own side is betraying you. Like you had one informer saying, "I want you to sort that out," and then the British Secret Service or whoever it was, undercover, whatever, making a deal, and then making a deal with the other one to get rid of the other person, and also trying to get rid mm. of their own soldiers. And I thought, oh, right, okay, this doesn't really sound right to me. Uh, what's going on? Uh, so I started watching and going, mm, I have to watch this. I really need to continue watching this. And that's and it was very interesting. Just found the storyline and everything interesting. And said at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Um, the whole troubles in Northern Ireland is fascinating. I don't, I'm not going to pretend that I know an awful lot about that history because um, it's something that we're not taught in England, really. I think maybe a, a source of embarrassment, maybe. Um, I'm not entirely sure, but it's not something that we really talk about a great deal. No, and I think the only thing that I remember as a kid is every week or virtually every day, all I, all I, you would hear is like you have Northern Ireland news from Belfast, a soldier has been killed or half a dozen soldiers have been killed or IRA... Uh, people have been caught or alleged on both sides. Oh, I'm going to put uh, there. But yeah, that's what I remember of uh, the actual problems uh, in Northern Ireland. Uh, and nothing mm. else. You're right. We haven't been taught that in school. So it wasn't like, oh, right, okay, it's part of the history and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, I've actually been to Northern Ireland. Have you been, have you been there? I've not been to Northern Ireland. I've been on the other side of the border. I've been to Dublin, but uh, no. mm. I would like to go to Northern Ireland. I would love to go and visit Belfast. Uh, it's completely changed to what we see, but yeah, be interesting to look at the history. It's absolutely fascinating. I'll talk about that a bit later on, my experience of going over there. It is absolutely amazing um, <laughs> for various different reasons. Um, but... Let's start. Let's go for a clip, shall we? So, Sam yeah, sure. chose a clip very early on into this movie. I think it was like a minute forty. Um, so it's the basic training scene. Um, yeah. I'll play it now. Steady. 
So, um, why did you pick that bit? Okay, it was the first. It was the actual view uh, of Yorkshire. I presume it was Yorkshire. It looked like Yorkshire. It looked beautiful. That was one thing. <laughs> and I wanted to really. The reason why I chose it is about the tough train. And I think there's a bit that has been cut out on that what we showed, where you know they go through the tunnels, water tunnels. Sort of yeah, thing. yeah. I've I've done that myself when I did a tough mile, so I know how hard that is to do. But generally, it was just proving that these guys are not ordinary people. They've been trained to do certain things like defend themselves, kill, survive in any sort of situations. And if you look further down the movie, even after all that training, the soldier wasn't prepared for what he got mm. in Northern Ireland. And that's why I chose that. Okay, at the time I chose it because of the views and the actual training itself and the boxing, how the army were actually training their own people. Like, you bleed, then we'll stop you basically training. And that's the bit that caught me, the boxing match as well. Um, mm. But now looking back, that was a re one of the reasons why I chose it as well looking back at the movie was shit this guy was tough but he couldn't handle Ireland Northern Ireland what was going on was he was mentally scarred before he even got there I felt <laughs> yeah um the thing I I mean it's funny you chose that clip because I've got a note on that basic training um yeah and I, what I quite liked about it was is um the the commanding officers are there with them running with them so how many walks of life do we have now where you're told or asked to do something and that's it you're just left to get on and do it you have to figure it out yeah. whereas there they they've got the commanding officer shouting at them giving them commands running alongside of them so they're they're all like fucking exhausted but yet you still got these commanding officers running alongside i just thought that was um like kind of stuck in my head that not only that, but um, they say it's one of the best uh, trains in the world. And it's about uh, teamwork. That's what I like about that scene as well. You, all of them, as you say, it doesn't matter what rank you are, you're actually a part of the team, especially when going over walls and through water and all that. You mm -hmm. need to work as a team. And uh, further down on that clip was uh, a scene where they were wearing not like first world war uh german helmets uh in the woods <laughs> i don't know if you noticed that or something uh, or french helmets or something but it, they were really unusual helmets yeah i suppose the, the military equipment has changed over the years but very one is based yeah. in 1971 um yeah yeah i suppose another part of that whole basic training scene the the intro to this movie is that there's no bullying being portrayed in this, right. which is so typical of military movies. Every military movie you watch nowadays has got a scene where someone's being bullied and right. treated unfairly and the rest are teaming up on him and calling him a, you know, whatever. Um, this didn't show any of that. They were just getting on with it. They were there to do a job and they were getting on with it. Yeah. Which is and a refreshing change. Yeah. Uh, I think what what's happened in those days, I don't think people had come out really about it. I think it, since uh, Deep Cut, you know, where some people 
committed suicide, etc. I think that's come out more in movies where someone has been bullied and then there's a triumph at the end, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but the other thing I noticed was where they had a guy who was leading, was the sergeant who was from the Caribbean. And mm. no one even, like, in modern times, as you say, in modern movies, it would, there would have been a racial story there where he's been picked on, or they would have made another thing up. In this, they didn't do that. He was listened to, and that's it. They didn't he give a shit. Yeah, yeah, he was respected. Yeah. Didn't care about the color. Yeah, he was. Um, he was a corporal, and so he'd earned yeah. his rank, and he was just yeah. getting on with the job again. And everyone just listened and got on with it. it didn't matter. He had a thick West Indian accent. I actually have got right. a clip of that, so we can we can okay. show the viewers that. But before we move on to that, I wanted to play a clip that I chose, and that's when yeah, they sure. learn they're going to. That's when they're going to Northern Ireland. Yeah. Um, and it really does show just how much. The English army hated going to Northern Ireland at that time in yeah. history. And I'll show it now. Hands off, cocks, and pull out socks! Come on, get fellas! Platoon! Platoon, shut! Because of the deteriorating security situation in Belfast, your regiment is now being deployed there on an emergency basis. Any questions? I'm not going to Germany. You're going to Belfast. I take it you all know where Belfast is? Northern Ireland, the United Kingdom, here. You are not leaving this country. I love that. The look on his face is like, oh, fuck it now. And everyone's like, oh, not Northern Ireland. Because it was fucking dangerous over there at that time. Exactly. There was more of a survival, well, there was 100% more survival rate in Germany if you went. Because nothing nothing was really happening in Germany. In fact, you right. know, I know someone that's sort of uh, someone that's close to me is um he was in the in the army for a while and um he wanted to get sent to Germany. Everyone did because they knew they wouldn't be doing much over there. <laughs> there was the so-called Cold War, but the Soviets weren't doing much. Uh, they they were just had their <laughs> tanks and we had ours, and that's it. Uh yeah. and, most people I know who went there uh, had a good time, but Ireland was a different thing. You didn't know if you were going to make it back uh, to England or no. wherever, which part of Britain you came from. Yeah, it was guerrilla warfare. There, people yeah. being sniped. With, uh, yeah, it's just um, nasty stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm going to play that um, clip with the West Indian corporal. Yeah. Um, just to give our viewers that, that have never seen this film an idea of what we were talking about earlier. So mm -hmm. let's watch. Right, this is where I eat and sleep. I'll show you where I shit in a minute. Why you look so gormless? Were you expecting the fucking writ? Get your kids squared away. Get a fucking brew on. You're not at the depot now, boys. You gotta look after yourself. And don't worry, you'll only be staying here till one of the parties shoots you anyway. Come and hurry up and organize yourselves. Hurry up and come inside, man. <laughs> brilliant the thick west indian accent and everything is um is absolutely fantastic and uh i'll tell you where i shit in a minute <laughs> yeah that was brilliant that was brilliant <laughs> <laughs> and as he won't be staying here long anyway until he gets shot by the paddy yeah that's um, what i was gonna say you can't use that now can you in a movie oh he's shot by a paddy or something like that so that yeah. was brilliant the way they portrayed that of the time. I suppose the, the international audience might not know what Paddy means, I guess. I mean, some might, but it's just a derogatory term for an Irish person. Yeah. It's like, you're if, uh, 
but I'm going to say it's like the American audience call a slimies, basically. So that is a similar thing to that. That's what mm. I wanted to put in there. Uh, yeah. If... Yeah, I haven't heard that word for years. What, it's, limey? Uh, yeah, or... no. Well, both. Both. Yeah. I've not heard it for years. Yeah. It's not sort of something you really think about saying anymore. It's, it's just not part of the general kind of lexicon, I guess. It's... Uh, that's a word that died out. I just wouldn't even think of it. <laughs> no, I think it's like everything, isn't it? It's like all the other words that were used for other people. That they're not used anymore. I think mm. it's just the generation stuff. But in in the content of seventy one, uh, that's what was used, and uh, it was brilliant. And the other thing I liked about the corporal is like um, how he loves swearing. Get your fucking ass <laughs> or and gear and do this. But that's the way the army is. There is a lot of military, yeah. Even down right. at like lower kind of cadets level. I don't know yeah. um international audiences have this kind of cadets thing or not, but over here it's kind of like something that's um I don't know if it still is anymore, but it used to be when I was at school and probably you were at school, it was kind yeah. of like well you've got the army cadets and you've got the RAF cadets yeah. and you could join one or two out of school extracurricular type stuff. Yeah. And it was just basically a recruitment drive, wasn't it, for the army or the RAF. Exactly, yeah. And uh, I got a story about that because my father actually did, um, he was in the Air Force, but he was also in the uh, Air Force Cadets or Air Training Corps. And when he was training uh, to fly, uh, his first solo he sort of went for, before that he was waiting for his uh, wing commander. And, and he swore at him, goes, what the effing hell do you think I'm doing? Do you think, you're, why are you waiting for me? Get your ass in gear, go, fly and stuff like that and it was brilliant i mean the things <laughs> that my dad tells me i think it was brilliant i'd love to be a commander and sort a few people out and turn here so i would probably just a step back from that that clip you just played um yeah i noticed a bit before when he was um when corporal hook no the private hook was posted to northern ireland there was a bus scene where he's, I think he's going back home to visit his son. Derby, um, I think it was, wasn't it? Derby, somewhere yeah. Derbyshire. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't help but notice that the the, the, the bus seats in front oh. in front of him, they had that little metal bit attached to the back of the, the seat in front of you. Where you could yeah. stub your cigarettes out. Yeah. Now, I remember those still being in buses when I was yep. a kid. No one used them because you couldn't smoke on buses, but they were still there. Yeah, I remember them very yeah. well. I remember them being bloody used, mate. And I'm only a few years older than you. <laughs> oh, that's fucking brilliant. Absolutely. Mate, brilliant. Did, you know what made me really depressed? It was like that 1970s, right? You look, first of all, of the Midlands, where industry and everything was going downhill. And you know those orange and black sort of seats on the buses and coaches, which that scene had? Mm. I just felt, oh... Can you imagine going to mid the Midlands? Those colour seats, and the, okay, don't you didn't say uh, smoking, but I'm sure people were still allowed to smoke on uh, buses at that time. Smoking, and it's raining. What a beautiful way to travel! I, I that bit really did depress me. I have to say that I thought, damn, <laughs> things have changed <laughs> for the better in certain ways. Yeah, absolutely massive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not quite sure. I, I'm, we're assuming that that's his son that's in this film yeah. that he visits. Yeah. And it, where does he drop him off? It's like this institution type place, isn't it? 
Yeah. Uh, I didn't know if it was... Uh, an, um, is it a... Does his son have a mental health issue, or was he a young criminal? Because I... I or was he... I don't know. Uh... No, it's a, an odd one, isn't it? Because yeah. with Hook's... Uh, so Cook's character, we don't learn much about his background. No. We don't learn whether it's actually his son or not. I mean, it's implied that it's his son. We don't learn where his son is actually living, you know, where's the mother. Um, it's There's a lot of questions around this film, and it's partly one of the reasons why I like it. You know, I don't like being spoon-fed stuff, and there's still questions no. I have about this film. Yeah. Uh, but what, like that, was, that was one of the things. But the other thing was um, the reaction. Uh, in Belfast, when they go out, uh, it was shocking. Uh, and when he goes in and he look, is looking for his commander, and uh, he sees those poli- Northern Ireland police, riot police, just beating people up in the house, and it was like, whoa, what's going on? We may not be here to uh, keep peace, and we're not really keeping peace. We're actually beating people up here, and uh, you know, yeah, doing things. Yeah. That's a clip that you've you've highlighted actually. So yeah. let's just play that. That's an incredibly tense moment yeah. of the film. And those bin uh, lids, oh my God, that would give me a headache if that was going on. I used to have a little bit like that when I was uh, a kid. My parents in their home had that. They were still being used, and I remember how noisy they were. You just took mm-hmm. the lid off and just slammed it slightly. So having all these people hitting on the ground and having that tense moment, not knowing where someone might be coming from, Jeez, uh, yeah, tension would be big. Well, uh, yeah, um, and um, Private Cook, that's his first patrol out. Yeah. That's the first time he's actually been out. He's just literally been shipped to Northern Ireland. He's spent a night in a barracks, a makeshift barracks, and then he's out in the street, and that's what he's confronted with. Yes. No training for that at all. I mean, that's guerrilla warfare as well. That's... That's mental. So all the banging of the um the, the lids of the bins or the trash cans, whatever you call them, um, that's also an intimidation tactic. They knew exactly what they were doing as well. I mean, that's the fascinating bit. And so that clip you saw all of the soldiers lining up, you get a pan a camera panning, but behind that you've got the Northern Irish I don't know what they they're called the police or something I can't remember the name. What's mentioned? It, they're called something else. I know that yeah. I, I forgot the, what they're called, but that uh, it's been mentioned so many times on the news. But yeah, they're called something different. I think there's some sort of special unit anyway, Northern Ireland, um, that go around with the army, uh, as, as shown. Uh, and they were meant to be the tough nuts, and they're not very much, uh, was it Guardy or something like that? Oh, Guardia is what they they call the police over in, in Ireland. Yeah. Um, but these were like a different unit. Uh, yeah. But they were over there just like kicking shit out of people, dragging people out of their homes and stuff because they were trying to find yeah. weapons. Yes. 
so you've got the English soldiers in front sort of trying to hold back because later on from that, that particular scene, you see that the crowd starts forming yeah, and there's a lot of pissed off people in the street um, all confronting the soldiers. The soldiers are trying to hold them back. And you've got these people dragging people out right behind them. They've got people dragging them out in the streets, kicking the shit out of them. So you, the, the people, the other side of the line can see all this happen. And they're all like, fuck you. And, and then it turns nasty. They start throwing bricks and rocks at him and stuff. And one officer, yeah, one one soldier gets hit and hits the floor. So they call it for medics and stuff. And in the end, they fucking scarper. Yeah. But there was a bit before this scene that I, I wish I had actually picked as well, where those kids actually show uh, Pierce, throw such throw Pierce. And, I, I, Are have you Pierce? I have it. Yeah, <laughs> I have it. Um, yeah, let me play that. Uh, Okay, yeah, this is exactly what Smith is referring to. That woman must be near the falls road, it's pesh! Get under HQ and advise the road is barricaded. Quickly! Hello, Zero, this is Bravo 1 2, over. Uh, yeah it's funny to watch but yeah that's kind of the 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 build-up to the the massive confrontation in the street and these little kids throwing piss and shit bombs at the english soldiers and you see the hatred portrayed as well i mean it's funny that the 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 troops are laughing at them like oh yeah ha ha ha." but these kids are growing up and then the hatred just gets more and more and that's your your future fighters your future members of the ira yeah. And that, that just keeps revolving. And it's not the first time we see kids being no. in this as well, because later on down the line, we, we get to see that there's a, another kid involved. Who's on the national <sighs> unionist uh, side. The yeah, the loyalists. Yeah. Loyalist, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it, 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 uh, it's funny because we were, obviously we weren't there at the time ourselves and it, it's portrayed as funny... Uh, in the movie, and it, it, and the soldiers probably did laugh, laugh in real life as well. But when you've got a kid who's probably about seven, eight, maybe ten years old, that young kid saying, "You fucking British, get your ass out of Ireland," and blah blah blah. Mm. There's two sides of it. One that would be a shock to me personally, saying, "Oh, but there's a you know innocent young kid." got so much hatred another thing it is very good of the soldiers having so much control because i am sure there's certain countries in the world those kids would have been shot would have just mm-hmm. shot them so that is that portrayed there is a mixture of funniness control and also sadness in a sense that kids that age have so much hatred of uh, a country that they feel is occupied because i'm just saying I'm going to be very careful what I say. They feel uh, that a part of their country has been occupied, and the other side thinking it's all been is part of uh, the country. And yeah, it's just wow. How powerful mm. does that little thing have an effect of someone who wants has been pressured to have freedom? That it scares me. That scared me at that age. Okay, someone older. Yes, I can understand, but not that age. You should be played football. Yeah, there was, um, yeah, well, it's just the, growing up around the parents, the people that they are, they 
feel very strongly that they were, as you say, occupied country. It's amazing. Well, when you look at a map and you look at the United Kingdom, you've got the kind of, you know, the main sort of squiggly bit in Scotland and all that sort of part of yeah. the United Kingdom. You've got Wales as well. And then you've got Ireland and you've got that little top section that's part yeah. of the United Kingdom. Now, any person that, you know, an, an international viewer that would look at that would go, what the fuck? Why, why is that little bit part of the United Kingdom? Yeah. And yeah, that you know, from a pragmatic sense of view, point of view, you're like, yeah, actually, why is that fucking part of it? It's bizarre. You've got this island, literally called Ireland. Yeah. And a little bit of it is just a different different country, so to speak. Well, it, it is a different country, isn't it, by uh, the term political or in terms mm. of borders. Um, and um, it's a very complicated issue that is a religious uh, sort of issue which has been made complicated as well which is very sensitive so i'm not going to go into too much of it but that has actually spilled over in scotland uh in glasgow mm -hmm. between the football teams uh up there so it's amazing how much of that has northern ireland's issues have affected parts of scotland and still goes on there's parts of glasgow if you support one or the other you can't go to if you do you get killed simple as that and yeah. it's that bad um, it's the same, yeah. Um, I, when, yeah, I mean, when I was over there, I, I know that there's a certain um, faction of Chelsea FC fans as well that are that are connected to the Northern Ireland loyalists. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. You know, I don't want to get too much into this because it is a, still a very sensitive, sore subject for a lot of people, and I don't want to pretend to be an expert in this. I don't know enough no. about it. But it is absolutely fucking fascinating. And I know that those rivers run deep. I mean, that's been going on for centuries. It hasn't been going on. It's not like a recent thing. Yes, right. I think, isn't it kind of go back right to the Middle Ages, I think? And then it was kind yeah. of intensified during Cromwell's reign in the 1600s. Yeah. Uh, and uh, was, and it was fucking vicious to the Irish, I understand. Yes. And all of Ireland was actually part of England or Britain at one point and yeah it's been a very very long time uh as a nation where they thought they've been prosecuted have been discriminated against by england or britain mm. uh, and stuff like that so even if you remember michael collins at the movie it was about the uh, free state and stuff like that uh, how the split happened between north and south and all that but I have to say, I have to give you one story. Although it was in Dublin, in uh, Southern Ireland, me and my sister went to a museum, a prison museum sort of thing, where they show you where all the IRA people were actually kept by the British army or police because it was part of Britain at the time. And we went to a courtyard and we were the only, me and my sister were the only Brits there, actually. There were uh, Americans who are probably Irish Americans and Irish there mm. and they said you know the Brits killed that person hanged that person in this yard and I'm not joking all these Irish people realized we were from Britain so it was looking at us going look what, uh, what Britain did and it was a bit where you felt a little bit guilty as well uh, and again <laughs> Yeah, but I wasn't around, you know, uh, really. You know, I wasn't even born. My parents weren't even born, etc. Um, and I wanted to say, look, 
like your, like your forefathers, my forefathers were part of the British Empire as well. But why are you making me feel guilty? Am I going to be leading and saying uh, my apologies for this sort of thing? And this mm. story is a connection to that uh, as well. Mm. And it reminded me of that prison very much so in Dublin and how all this stuff has been connected uh, in that sense. Yeah, I have a very similar experience when I went to London Derry or Derry. Okay. Derry, Derry, London Derry. Depends depends where you're from and what yeah. you call it. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, yes. Um, so to be a bit, you know, to be respectful to people, London Derry and Derry. Um, and it was fascinating because I was I was driven around and just to sort of show the divide in yeah. the in the place. And we went to one section, which was a, a loyalist part yeah. of the part of the city. And I've never seen so much red, white, and blue. Really? It was, it was fucking amazing. that The curb stones by the sidewalk, the paths on the roads, all painted red, white, and blue. The lampposts, the streetlights, all the way up to the top, all painted red, white, and blue. There was bunting across railway bridges, um, around people's houses. Wow. Um, it, it was it was like it was the Queen's Jubilee when I went there, and that's what it's like there every day with those with those guys. And also this part, it was kind of it was, it was very odd because um, it was like a cul-de-sac that we drove down, and the guy that was driving me um, reversed, and I pointed out, not out of the window, but through like the window, I said, "Fuck me, look at that!" And there's this great big green metal fence. Yeah. that was about 50 foot high and he said don't point i was like what he said don't fucking point all right because people will come over and they'll ask questions who you are and whatnot and i was like okay um he said anyway the reason why they're there is so that people can't throw firebombs over so fucking hell. <laughs> jesus <laughs> um so that was one side of, of, of uh, london dairy and he said right okay i'll take you to the other side now because in Derry, London Derry, there was a big confrontation there. I mean, it's quite famous in the whole troubles yep. during the seventies. People got people died there. Um, so he took me to the to the um, the Republican side, and it's exactly the same, but in reverse with um, uh, white, white yeah. gold, and green. Wow! Ah, uh, man, it is all the again all the curbstones by the paths and the sidewalks, all up the lamppost. There's murals on the sides of walls, like you know, you have terraced houses. The end terrace is just a brick wall with a window, all painted in murals of IRA stuff and, and, and paraphernalia of that type everywhere around. It's yeah. fascinating to look at, but it's like, wow, such, you know, and also those things are walking distance, which is what is portrayed in this film as well. When they're showing, when the commanding officers are showing the maps and they're giving the intelligence briefing, there's, they're living right next door to each other. And these, and these people that are fighting a war against each other fucking amazing in fact uh, i'm not going to say that because i could say the same in fact they're irish aren't they irish versus irish is a very much a religious thing uh yeah the protestants and catholics yeah, yeah. and it is a shame even you wouldn't think in the modern times we would have that okay yes we've had peace in the last 20 odd years but it's not that long ago when we had all these problems as i said i remember uh listening to them the news every day us and something was happening in ireland someone got killed or 
there was bombs going off or whatever. Yeah, and you thought, what? What? I remember the Conservative Party. Was it Brighton? Yes. Uh, in the early 80s, getting blown up. It was yeah. a tea on my side uh, that, uh, that, that conference because of that. Uh, yeah, I remember that uh, very well. I'm going uh, to play a clip that, that does, it's a very tense part of the film. And it just shows sort of the, some of some of the level of, of of hatred of sort. Of, I'll play the clip. Yeah, I mean it's intense, isn't it? Um, yeah, this whole film's intense. I mean, for our listeners, that um, that scene shows um, Private Cook, British soldier, just running through a housing estate, a very very narrow streets, all like uh, Victorian terraced houses that he's yeah. running through, and he's got two guys chasing him, shooting at him with um, handguns. Yeah, um, it's an incredibly intense scene. I, I, I just wanted to add something. It, it was so uh, intense, uh, that conflict. If you remember, I don't know if you remember, Paul, when Martin McGuinness or Jerry Adams used to speak, they used to disguise their voices or use different voices. Oh, yeah. And they never mm. even showed their faces to a certain time because it was that um, dangerous for them as well as our side uh, yeah. uh, as well. So, yeah, because you've got... The law, uh, loyalists who would do anything on the other side to get rid of the republicans and vice versa now I remember as a kid you'll never hear their voices or anything you'll just know who they are by a car who some person doesn't even look like them yeah it was quite a strange tilt quite a strange period of history really i suppose and if you went yeah. back and looked at that try and look for those on youtube just to show just how bizarre it was because yeah i remember sort of like this robotic voice talking Yes. Um, yes, yeah. I, I completely forgot about that until you just mentioned it. And, and, and a, a, a town you know very, very well yourself. Uh, one of the, the former MP of that place was actually a part of the Northern Ireland Committee. So even the train station uh, in that town, um, and every time that MP used to go around, for certain uh, civic services, he would used to have snipers in case the IRA or someone would attack them, and they would be checking for uh, parcels and everything, even on the train station. Wow, what a time to live, eh? Yeah. Yeah. And that—that's a town you know well, and I know well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah old hometown. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that, that... That that scene that we see um, that we just saw, where he's running through the the housing estate there, that the beginning of that is where you see the execution of the British soldier, which yes. is quite brutal. Um, the 
two young members of the IRA are just kind of casually strolling past this commotion. Yes. Whereas an Irish woman that's trying to protect the two English soldiers yes. from harm because they've just been had the shit kicked out of them by a group yep. of you know a mob and um, they just casually walk up and just gun straight to the head, bang, done, and kill one of them. Um, and then obviously after that you see that that chase scene. Um, yep. But as the scene stopped there, because obviously I've got to be careful with copyright reasons, which is why these clips are short. But you see him enter a building there did you yeah. notice that though that building he enters all throughout that all the walls are knocked through yes and it, it's terraced it's a row of terraced houses and all the walls have been knocked through and obviously that's a tactic not only to escape but also to um sabotage and surprise attack british yes. patrols so you can just literally run the full terrace yeah I thought that was fascinating, and it's it's a it's not mentioned; it's just kind right. of implied. It reminded me uh, of uh, reading uh, something about Victorian East London, Jack the Ripper, where houses where actually you could walk from one end to another and walk through, and no one would even care who you are. It it was that yeah. sort of rem it reminded me of that, although it was used mm. for completely different things. But yes, uh, it was very fascinating, uh, and I thought, yeah. what the hell's going on? But yeah, uh, found that interesting. So shortly after that as well, we see the, the soldier I mentioned that was executed. Um, yeah. They go and recover him. And this is yeah. the scene uh, clip that you've picked. So let's play it. music uh, was one reason and the lighting and it was very potent and obviously it was very sad and I think the music and all the lighting and all that really hits you hard you understand the situation you've virtually seen your colleagues being shot down virtually every day in the, the body language of the the uh, commander uh, the other uh, soldiers who were there to carry the body it, it was just like what, why are we doing this? Why are we are even here? Look, sort of questioning their mission. What was the actual point of being there when so many people were getting sacrificed some, for something mm. that may not be even worth sacrificing your life for? And I think it was also a case it was that was that person's first day there as well, and he probably probably you know, told his wife or not even a wife and kids I'll see in a few weeks when I have a leave or even his parents. And that really hit me. Uh, I think it was the way it was done, that scene, that really hit me. And I actually felt sad, really sad. Mm. Sort of I thing. think for me, I mean, because I've actually got a note on that as well. And <coughs> I think that really, that really hit me with it is that um, they just left him there on the street. Yeah, He was just left. And it, there was a there was a part before this as well where the um, couple of the IRA members um, are in a car, 
um, from they're going to start driving around the streets to look for the other uh, for private cook. Yeah. Um, and there's a leader of uh, the IRA called Boyle who plays quite a pivotal character yeah. in this. Um, he says to me, "What the hell are you playing at?" And even then, it's more of a case of, "Well, now you've done this, we're going to get more British soldiers yeah. patrolling the streets and looking to drag people out, and you know, there's going to be repercussions for this." Yes. And the body was still left there, so the body of this British soldier just left in the middle of a housing estate. There's houses either yeah. side of the road, and um, so there's people still living there, going about their daily business, and they're just gone in and just, I don't know, cooked dinner and watching the TV, knowing full well that the body of this British soldier is just out, out on the street. Yeah, he was uh, treated like a piece of a piece of trash, rubbish. That's how I felt, and um, I think we have mentioned this before when we were doing another review, like um, about Second World War. I think it was last last week, and I was uh, talking about. I think it may have been off off uh, air um, when we went live during the First World War. How much respect each enemy had for each other when the Red Baron died. Every side. From the enemies to the foes to the allies, gave him full military honours and buried him with that as well. It was buried four times. Um, but in this war, it wasn't the case. It was like there's no respect. He's not human because he's British or army. Mm. We'll shoot him. Uh, we'll do anything to get freedom. Uh, blah blah blah. And that's where the problem is. Uh, I it, morally that scene also. I just felt, whoa. Uh, mm. I know people want their freedom and they want stuff, but really, can't they go about it in a different way? I suppose. Uh, well, I mean, you could argue the other side as well. I suppose you know the occupation of the country yes. and stuff. That yeah, so yeah. it goes both ways, doesn't it? And yeah. as we learn in this film, the uh, the English, the, uh, the undercover part of it, the um, the commanding officers of the entire British platoon or whatever you call them um they're up to some devious shit we learn yes and, uh, it's quite nasty stuff actually they're playing they've got a bunch of double agents working for them they're mm. blowing things up deliberately to try and incite more violence and it's um it's it's quite quite a good in-depth kind of storyline there's a lot of twists in this film that's where i got a little bit um Confused because apparently, you know, the um, where the pub blows up, mm. you have the British guy who the British uh, undercover soldier showing them how to do everything, and he had taught them how to do it properly. And then suddenly, they say, You, you better get um, the, the lost soldier cook, uh, private cook out, and I don't know if I got the impression wrong or they did that on purpose, uh, where they said, oh, you should have taught them how to blow up thing, you know, the timer properly and handled the extra explosion properly uh, after the pub was uh, blown up. But the other side, I felt they did, did that on purpose as well, should get rid of uh, Cook as well. Well, my, my understanding was um, that um, it wasn't done on it wasn't done on purpose. It was a mistake. It was a genuine mistake. But what had happened is they'd confiscated bomb bomb materials and bombs from the IRA. Yeah. And then they'd given them to the loyalists to use 
for their purposes. But the bomb going off was an accident because beforehand the, the commanding officer was saying we need to get the we need to get Private Cook out of that pub. We need to get him back to barracks. So they were looking to save him. But in the same instance, he had actually seen them in the room with the loyalists and the bombs, the bomb materials. Yep. So they were also worried that he would speak and say, you know, what's going on there and blow the whole yep. thing. So there was a bit of a double you know, a bit of a double issue there is that fuck, this is a mistake. And now this is really going to kick off because now we've got a, a pub that's known for loyalist, um, yeah. you know, agitators that would be in there, which means, you know, that's then going to incite more violence against the IRA. And that's it's the whole fucking thing's going to go off. Yeah. yeah. I want to play a little clip here of the kid, the, um, the kid that caught uh, private cook meets. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't bring them back in. Stay quiet. Fucking brat. A soldier? A real soldier? Fucking brilliant. Why you see him? I don't know. I was in a school. Is it McGarry? Oh, Sparks. How you? I don't know. What are you doing out anyway? Get home. No, I'm home. You lost. Come on, I take you back to your bards. Come on, I'll take you to your bards. It's up to you. What else are you gonna do? That, that kid in this film is absolutely fucking brilliant. Yeah, he's he is. so commanding in front of the camera. That kid's got a bright future yeah. as an actor. Because there's parts in this film where there's there's grown men part of the loyalist army. Yeah, grown men or loyalist militia, whatever they're called. And he's back chatting them and he's telling them to shut the fuck up. Because yeah. we learned that that kid's grandfather, father, and uncles. Yeah, yeah, of all four in the British army, yeah. um, which is where he gets this deep sense of loyalty from. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's grown men. He's in there saying, so who, who's your friend? And they're like, never you fucking mind. Never you fucking mind who he is. Why are you asking this? And the way they sort of gave him that drink, like he, if he was a grown up, yeah. And one for my friend. Yeah. Yep, okay. Yeah. And then he mentions yeah. his uncle and uh, dad or someone and they go, oh shit. Okay. I'm not going to ask you anything. Okay. Yeah. Because they were taking the piss out of him. Yeah. Because he, he yeah. claimed he'd thrown something at one of the, um, the IRA members and um, they were yeah. taking the piss out of this little kid and saying, yeah, right. Okay. And um, he's like, do you fucking know who my dad is? Yeah. Once he mentions his name. They're like, oh shit. Yeah, wow. so, no offence, men. I've got two more clips that I want to get in before the end of this oh. review. I mean, time's getting on a bit. We're going for nearly an hour now, and we haven't even done our overall ratings. But we yeah. are adjusting to a different format. As anyone that's watching this, this is slightly different format, and you've probably noticed that if you've if you listened to this and stuck with yeah. us this far. Um, so I want to play a clip about this, um, the two Catholics that take – Private cook in and help him and stitch him up. Yeah. She's wound up. Um, it's quite a poignant part, I felt. 
You been in the army for long? I was in the army myself. Medic. Twenty years. Posh cunts. Mm. Tell them thick cunts. To kill poor cunts. Mm. It's the army for you. It's all a lie. They don't care about you. You're just a piece of meat to them. Yeah. I think that I think sort of sums it up, really, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, posh turning the poor. No, was it posh turning the thick and the thick killing the poor or something like that? Mm. Yeah. Uh, he's well. If you think about what he was saying, not necessarily that bit, but about the meat that you're just a piece of meat. Isn't that true? I think it's true for any organisation, possibly, if you think about it. You're not only a number or a piece of meat. They don't care. Um, yeah. uh, so he was sort of talking about his own experience. And one thing he did show was um, his humane side, because he was an ex-soldier himself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. Said that. yeah, he fought, he fought in the army for 20 years, as he said there. Um, yeah. But I suppose what was interesting with those... <laughs> Those bits is they find a private cook on the street and he's pretty much close to death. Um, yes, he's, he's just dragged himself out of a, an exploded building. Um, and they're both Catholics, so they know that they're actually putting their lives in danger by helping him because he's yep. a British soldier. So they have to play it very, very cagey and very, very um, cautious um, with what they do and say. And, and yeah, so they're putting their own lives at risk there trying to help him. And um, it's quite a good part of the film. Yeah, I, I, I uh, there was a bit. I don't know if you're going to be playing that bit, but we can um, leaves the flat, and he meets one of the IRA people, and he stabs them. And the way he just stares at him when that guy's life is going, and it just felt like, yeah, you were trained for this, but even you just felt, well, I've just taken someone's yeah. life there. And that was a shocking yeah. bit because you don't have that impression of soldiers normally. I um, yeah, you're right. They're sort of portrayed as just kind of doing the job. But this, yeah, yeah when you see him, when you see Private Cook stab that guy, yeah, um, it's kind of like Ugh, it's kind of like stepping back, like Ugh, kind of yeah. And obviously, when he watches him die as well, there's a real sense of remorse yes. in his eyes. He's like, shit, what have I just done? It's like, hold on a second. This, this, this is the same guy that actually killed your mate, mate Tomo, in the street. But he still had that kind of remorseful kind of like shit, you know, well yeah. done. So you know, it's quite an interesting part. Um, I'm not going to play a clip of that. Was because it just showed violence. So, um, but uh, and I felt yeah, even um, even the other way where uh, the guy who got stabbed. Uh, I felt that he was saying uh, to, uh, saying sorry to Cook as well, what he had sort of done um, when he was dying, sort of saying, okay, yeah, you got me, I'm dying, but I sort of regret what I did to your colleague. And there was that oh, moment, no, no. I just felt that there was a moment between them for a second, I felt that, yeah, we're doing this to each other because we're doing what we believe in. Although Cook, I don't think necessarily believed it. He was just in a job. That's mm -hmm. why I got from it. I might be wrong. 
<clears throat> I, I didn't. I didn't get that sense. Um, I mean, I felt that that guy that that he killed was dedicated to the cause, was loyal right to the end, and I felt that you know, as the life just kind of seeped through him and just yeah. kind of you know escaped him, he was. It's just panic, isn't it? Shock and panic. It's like shit, yeah. and then realization that you're dying. So it's like fuck. Um, yeah, powerful scene. That yes, yeah. I've got one more clip. And then I think we'll look <coughs> up for tonight. Yep, yep, sure. But after all of the all of the turmoil that Private Cook goes through, and this is how it's wrapped up. You know, your lieutenant has come to me and told me about how you're feeling at the moment. You've had quite an experience. I think we can all agree that you've been lucky. You're very lucky to be alive. It's only down to the actions of the captain and his men that you were saved. A very good soldier died in the process. What about Private Thompson? Don't you bloody dare. You've been through a very testing ordeal. The best thing in this situation is to try and put it behind you. Do you understand me? Yes, sir. We look after our own in the army, Hope. Dismissed. Attention. That's it. Get over it, son. That's it. <laughs> I mean, the guy was being hunted through the streets. Um, one that I will say that Cook's private Cook sense um, his instincts in this film. Yes. Are fucking top notch. Because he yeah. just gets a sense of, oh, shit, man, this ain't right. I need to get out of here. It's not good. And he escapes from a few situations. And his instincts yes. are just impeccable. Um. But yeah, after all that, well, just get on with it, son. This, you know, this is the job. <laughs> I should have actually picked one scene that I didn't, I, and, I, and there was a reason. I thought it was just try to get. I don't want, didn't want too many clips, and I should describe mm. it. But where he looks, the one bit you've already done on this clip, where he looks at his commander, and his commander goes, "Don't bother. Uh, both of us have lost this one. We're not going to make any difference." And he uh, just salutes and leaves the office and the guy under undercover basically feels relieved that okay we've got away with it for another day but he's only when he's coming back to the mainland uh to ring well coming back to england and he looks at his uh, army dog are they called dog badges or what are they dog called? tags dog, dog tags, tags. But, and he looks at them and he just throws them in the sea and you could tell that yeah. he's had enough um of the army and felt that okay he's betrayed been betrayed by the army and he knows there's things going on which shouldn't be going on and that was a very very strong scene for me uh because it reminded me of what happened in real life uh with soldiers in vietnam and probably in ireland as well where they came back and just threw their uh, dog tags away because they felt the country had betrayed them or lied to them and in this case that's what happened he was being lied to with the double standards going on yeah and they've been real ordeal for him as well yeah. so, but it, it changed him yeah throwing his dog tags into the ocean like that um it was a clear indication that perhaps he was pissed off yeah. um but he was only on leave yeah. So they're giving him leave. So he'd have to have been back within two weeks or whatever it was. Um, but I liked I liked it when he went and saw his son. Yes. And he's he, you see that it's changed him. He's angry. <coughs> he's he's ready to. I mean, he's ready to 
to yeah. kill again now it's totally changed his aspects and that that guy that at the institution where his son lives um has got control of the door so opens and closes the door for visitors yeah. he goes open the fucking door you horrible cunt <laughs> yeah like ready to ready to like fucking hurt you, this guy you yeah. can tell it's totally changed him um quite quite an experience quite an ordeal um, yes uh, it just makes me wonder um, well, i was gonna say i can't recommend this film enough it's yeah. absolutely fucking brilliant and, you know the more i think about it and when we talk about it the more and more i fall in love with this film it's fucking yeah. brilliant it's a very good movie uh i have to admit um i didn't think i would like it when i heard the title 71 i thought mm, 71 and because i've heard some titles with uh, numbers and they've not been great but then they've been sequenced like 71 72 73 you did have a theory why i would like this movie uh, and you didn't come around to that so I, uh, before i carry on i would love to know what, what no. do you think um well i thought because of the time period i thought it might appeal yeah. a little bit um, because of the old sort of, there's there's bits in this where it's kind of nostalgic. You know, you mentioned the bus scene. We've we've gone over a few scenes that we felt was a, a bit nostalgic. Brought some memories back, and um, but also because it was, it felt real. It yeah. felt there was no major Hollywood actors in this. There's no major names to piss you off, like Tom Cruise or anything. I'm um, not there, fella. <laughs> <laughs> so there was none of that in it, and it it. It was based in realism. It was yes. based in real events at the real time. So I just felt that, that all of that together combined would appeal to you. Yeah, and so. you were right. It was. It did most of what you've just said, or I think all of you, what you've said, yes. Mm. And the great thing, Tom Cruise wasn't in it, so that was a bonus as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, on that note, what are we going to score it? Is it is your movie i'm gonna go, let okay. you go first all right well i'll give this an eight out of ten um i just I, I love this film i love the tension i i've got memories of watching this with my girlfriend and her youngest son and the pair of them are like i like this like fucking hell what they they were just totally captivated watching this film and at the end of it they both let out like a deep sort of sigh like oh like of relief because it's so intense and it this film just draws you in it, it really gets you emotionally yeah so and there's not many films that do that for me you know right. so this is a strong eight out of ten for me okay uh i'm gonna go for seven it's still i think a good score um i think it's gonna be one of these movies that probably will sort of I'll start enjoying more. It's going to be like, oh, um, you know, wine, where the more I watch <laughs> it, the more it will sort of appeal to me and stuff like that. But because it was the first time I watched it, that's why I'm going out at seven. I think the great thing about it, it was a true, based on true events, probably, or story. Uh, around true around, events. Around true yeah. events. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he had double crossing, backstabbing, action politics a period that both of us have spoken about and take us back to our childhood or uh, parts of it and yet all that and that's why i really liked it and he was being realistic as you say there was no major uh hollywood staff from britain or america to spoil it they've just got 
ordinary people, ordinary actors, were not that famous nationally or internationally, and that's why it was more believable. Not only that, I loved the Corporal Sergeant Major. I loved the way he just said, get your ass in gear, and I'm going to show you what you're going to shit, or your shitholes, <laughs> and what you expect in the vids. I loved all that stuff, and uh, that's the way the army was. And Yeah, it was realistic. <laughs> that's what it's about. Yeah. Okay, well, let's wrap it up there then. Um, so, hopefully, uh, viewers, listeners, let us know if you liked this new format. Yeah, if you've got this far, let us know in the comments what you thought. Yep. Um, yeah, well, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes, whether we keep this format up or not, whether YouTube allows us to or not, because obviously, I mean, there's um, fair use and copyright stuff that we have to be aware of. Who knows where it's going to go? But um, yeah, we want our, our movie reviews to be a bit more entertaining, a little bit more interactive. Yeah, yeah let's see how it goes. And hopefully, hopefully our third presenter will be back from Qatar next week. Yes, well, I believe he will, because um, what, uh, what are we doing next week? Um, is that our... That's not our special, is it? I think it might have... Is it our special? Or is it... The, yeah, it is our special. Um... Yes, so no, no, is it? Oh, God, I can't remember. I can't remember. It might be the 17th. I can't remember. I think it was the 17th that we agreed, but we'll save that for next week. So, but next week, I do believe that Justin will be with us, although we haven't decided what we're going to review. We may, um, well, whatever, we'll, um, we'll announce it on the social media channels. And speaking of social media channels, you can find us everywhere in the comments. If you look at the comment section, there's video, and then the comment section, the description section, I should say of this video and our podcast you'll find all the links to us you can even buy these hoodies if you feel so inclined i don't know why you would but you know we like them um, um you can support yeah. us in other ways <laughs> yep they're fucking good though man they're so warm so warm yeah. um certainly yeah so you can find all that and in the video description <coughs> podcast description and um until next week it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from me <laughs>